Good morning, church. Glad that you're here this morning. Today we're going to finish our series, Prayer Unleashed. But before we jump into it, I want to tell you about what's next. Next week we'll begin a whole new series, Christmas series. But something I really want you to kind of tune into is that we know that Christmas this year is on a Sunday. And so we've asked the school, hey, can we meet? We'd love to meet. What, what more amazing day to meet like Easter, except on, on Christmas and, the, and then school for Sunday. And guess what they said to us? No. So, so no is the answer. So what they were allowing us to do is we're going to meet on Christmas Eve. So they said no to Christmas Day, but yes to Christmas Eve. So we are going to have our very own first Christmas Eve service at Cross Life Feast this year, 4 o'clock on December the 24th, and we hope all of you will be here, okay? So be here and bring a friend. So that's coming down the pike. Also, today we are going to finish this series, and I want to remind you of something as we've gone through six weeks of talking about prayer. And what I want to remind us all of is the, really the idea behind this series, Prayer Unleashed, is hopefully my goal was, as we launched this, and hopefully the, the goal that, that has been communicated, is that we would take evaluation and we would back up and we could pause and go, what does my prayer life look like? If I think about my prayer life, would I say that I have a strong prayer life? Would I say that I have no prayer life at all or somewhere in the middle. And hopefully as we've gone through the series, what we've learned is prayer should be a top priority in all of our lives. And the church should say amen to that. Amen. It should be because prayer is our lifeline and communing with our heavenly father. It's our path to communicate with the creator of the universe. And so prayer should be a top priority in our lives. And so what we've talked about is the value of prayer. And we said one of the reasons that prayer is so valuable is because when we pray, we are declaring our dependence on God. We are saying, God, I desperately need you. I know you're smart. I know you think you have it all figured out. But when we pray, we're saying, God, I don't have it figured out. God, on my best day, with my best attitude, with my best wisdom, pales in comparison to what you have. And I need you. Prayer is saying, God, I need you. Prayer is also aligning my heart with his heart. It's not about me changing his mind. It's about me changing whose mind? My mind, right? That's what it's about. And so with that, we said, okay, if that's the case and we should be motivated to pray, what are different kinds of prayers that should be in the life of a believer? And we talked about several things. We talked about the prayer of surrender, that we should have this prayer in our heart that says, Lord, every day we pray, say, Lord, I want to yield to what you have for me today. We talked about a prayer of, of brokenness, saying, God, I'm in desperate need of you, God. I, I'm nothing without you like we saw in Jonah. We also talked about a prayer of renewal. Because I don't know about you, but I know about Doug. Sometimes, on occasion, I really blow it. Actually, more than occasion. Often, I blow it. And I have to go to my Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I repent of my sin, and I want to walk in rhythm with you. I want to restore the fellowship I once had with you. And that's part of renewal. And if you're a believer, and when you sin, you break that fellowship. The relationship is still there, but you break that fellowship, and we pray seeking renewal of that relationship. And then last week, we talked about another prayer. We talked about the prayer of intercession. And hopefully, if you weren't here last week, please go back and listen to it. Because what we learned last week is not only the command to pray for other people. In fact, if you remember the passage, for all people, right? But we learned the content. Like, if we all talk about praying for somebody, you now come back and go, okay, now I know what needs to be in that prayer. I now understand the content of how to pray for other people. Now, today, as we wrap up the series, I want to kind of do something that I didn't think about when I started the series, but I kind of pivoted a little bit. Because I thought, if we're talking about prayer unleashed, 
It's important for us to end the series looking at a story where somebody prayed and we see the power of God unleashed in a miraculous way. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18 is where I'm going to be this morning. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now as you get there, I'm not going to read this lengthy passage, but I want to give you a little bit of context to kind of tell you where we're at, where we're going to join the story. The story is about the prophet Elijah. Elijah is at Mount Carmel, and he's there with the nation of Israel, with King Ahab and 450 prophets of Baal. And the time has come. King Ahab has called all of Israel together, and Elijah begins to speak. And Elijah says, listen, Israel, we have a problem. You guys keep teeter-tottering back and forth between following Baal and following Yahweh, the Lord our God. And today's the day that you're going to make a choice. Like it or not, today's the day that you're going to decide who you're going to follow, who's going to be the Lord of your life. So he puts out this challenge, so here's what we're going to do. Prophets of Baal, you're going to go grab a bull, and you're going to cut it up, and you're going to put it on your altar, and when your time comes, you're going to pray. But don't, don't put fire to it, but you're going to pray, and if your God burns that bull up, then we'll know that your God is real and mine is not. And then I'm going to take a bull. And I'm going to cut it up, and I'm going to put it on an altar, and I'm not going to burn it up, but I'm going to pray. And if my God comes and your doesn't, then we're going to know that my God is the one who's the one true God. Does that work for everybody? And Israel goes, why not? Right? Why not? And so that's what happened. So the prophets of Baal started with, they went and got the bull, they put it on the altar, they cut it up, and they begin to pray to their God, Baal. And I love what the words say in Scripture. You don't have to read it, but it says this. There was no voice and no one answered. It says it twice. So they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. No voice, no one answered. So then they upped their prayer life, and they started praying and cutting themselves as a means of sacrifice. Now, you have to get into the heart of the story. Here's these people praying, and nothing's happening. So then they upped the game, and now they're cutting themselves as if some way to, to sacrifice before their God. And over here on the other side is, is Elijah making fun of them. He's like, I don't know why your God isn't answering. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's still sleeping. Maybe he just doesn't care. I mean, Elijah's like poking at them. And you don't believe me, just go back and read. He's poking at them. And yet they still continue to do all these things, like cutting themselves. And here's how it ends in, in verse uh, 29, before we pick up the story. And no one answered, and there was no voice. 450 prophets of Baal did their best prayer jig they could do. They gave it all they had. And at the end of the day, no God, no one showed up. No voice was heard. Then Elijah steps on the scene. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. And as we look at the story of Elijah, there's three things I want us to pull out. And the first one's found in verse 30 through 35. You can stay seated this morning. Look at me in verse 30. It says this. Then, in other words, after all that, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the 12 stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about, about the altar, as great as would be contained, two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull into pieces and he laid it on the wood and he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering. Pause, time out. Just a food for thought. If you're going to have a bonfire, 
Do you put the wood in a pile and go, okay, let's not use lighter fluid. Let's use water. That seems like a really good agent, right? And you put water. Would you douse your wood in water? So you're like, I don't know. Would you douse your wood in water? No, good. You're smart. Okay, here we go. So then he goes on. He says this. Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said what? Do it a third time. And they did it to the altar was filled and the trench also with water. Now listen, when you read that, here's the first thing I want us to know. It's the first thing I want to see, because this is a crazy story. I want to see Elijah's, he talks about, we see the preparation of prayer. Elijah hasn't started praying yet. But we see the preparation of prayer. And I want you to notice some things that we're going to look back at. The first thing we notice is that Elijah tells the people of Israel, hey, come on in. Draw near. It'd be kind of like, have you ever been around an older person who maybe was in the military? And they would tell their war stories. And they would get to that moment and they go, okay, now don't miss this. And you would kind of lean in. You know what I'm talking about? Lean in to hear the rest of the story. It was that kind of moment. Elijah says there in verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. In other words, I want you to draw in. Now, why would Elijah do that? Why would Elijah call them in? Well, think about it. These people have just witnessed hours of the prophets of Baal praying to their God and nothing happening. Cutting themselves and praying to their God and nothing happens. And Elijah calls them and says, listen, I want you to lean in. Why? Because I want you to have a sense and a spirit of expectation. Because the God that I know, the God that I love, and the God that I serve is about to do something that's going to blow your socks off. And I want you to have a spirit of expectation, seeing what God is going to do. Don't you want to know how big God is going to show up? Now, I hope that that's convicting to all of us. Here's why. Too many days in Doug's life, I pray with a spirit of hoping, the spirit of wishing God would do it, and not a spirit of expectation. See, I believe with everything in me, what Patrick saying a while ago is true, that he is the same God, isn't he? And that he can do what he's already done. And I believe that for many of us in the room, when you pray, sometimes we pray with this spirit going, God, I really hope you would intervene. God, God, I wish with everything in me. How about we just say, God, I I pray expecting because, God, I know that ultimately what I'm praying for is for your glory to be known. And, God, I want you to intervene. God, I want you to step in. And that we would pray with the spirit of expectation. Not that God jumps to your pushing his buttons, but that we have a sense of expectation that God is going to show up on behalf of his people. Do you pray like that? You pray with a spirit of expectation that God is going to step in and he's going to carry out his will in your life and in your circumstances? Are you like me sometimes and you catch yourself praying with the sense of, well, I hope he does. I wish he would. Instead of, I expect him to step in. So Elijah tells him, listen, I want you to press in because he understands that they needed a spirit of expectation. So he calls them together and he invites them there. And then it says he rebuilds the altar. Now, why in the world would he do that? Now, we understand there's, there's some symbolism here. He takes 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and so that would have been a beautiful picture. But why does he rebuild the altar? Does he need to rebuild the altar? No, God could have worked independent of the altar, but why? Because the altar was always the path of Israel to get to God. Here's what I mean. 
when Israel would rebel against God, where were sacrifices taken for their sins? The altar. Where was this picture that represented repentance at? The altar. Where was this picture of forgiveness at? The altar. Where was restoration found? Not a trick question. Help me out. The altar. So why rebuild the altar? Because Elijah wanted to remind all these people, we have to come to God on his terms, not our terms. We're going to come to God the way he wants to. And this altar has meant so much. This altar is a place where we're going to come and we're going to obey God. It's a place where we're going to offer sacrifices to God. It's a place that our priests are going to come and honor the Lord. I mean, this is a place that's valuable. And we need to know that as we pray, we come to God on his terms, not our terms. Which means this, when I pray, I don't pray my will be done, but I pray your will be done. He wanted to remind them that when you pray, ultimately the chief Will that needs to be done is God's will, not your will. And we need to be reminded when we pray, yes, pray with the spirit of expectation, but we need to pray and come to God on his terms. God, I want your will for my life. Now, let's just be kind of honest for a moment. Sometimes that doesn't sound very fun, does it? Because if you're like Doug and Joey, apparently, you got a plan for your life, right? You got a clear direction where you want to go. You got things you want to do. You got things you want to accomplish. And when God interrupts those, intervenes in those, or shifts you to a different path, sometimes I don't like that. Do you like that? But ultimately, we should love that. Why? Because his will should always trump our will. And he says, I want them to understand that they got to come to God on his terms. So he rebuilds this altar. And then the third thing he does here as he makes preparation, he reminds them of the bigness of their God. Look what he does. Let's go back and read a little bit here. It says, then he tells them to take, uh, fill four jars and fill with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it. So now the altar was filled and so were the trenches with water. So this big altar with this bull cut up has been soaked in water. The wood has been soaked in water. There's so much water that even the trenches are filled up. Now, why would Elijah do that? The prophets of Baal didn't do that, did they? Why Elijah? Because he wanted to remind, in his preparation, yes, we need to have a spirit of expectation. Yes, we've got to come to God on his terms. But Elijah wanted to remind the people of Israel that you serve an incredibly big God. A God who can take what appears to be impossible, and he can make it what? Possible. I mean, just think about it. If you're there watching that day, and you're Israel, and you see the prophets of Baal spend hours and they fail. And you see Elijah going, okay, we have hope, right? We have hope because may, maybe this will work. And then you see him douse and have doused this entire bowl, this entire wood, and the trench are filled full of water. Are you optimistic about the outcome of what's about to happen? Come on, are you optimistic? You're like, okay, this is going to be a bust just like the last one was a bust, right? But he made the preparation, didn't he? He wanted them to know that when you pray, listen, you're not praying to a glass ceiling. When you pray, you're not praying to just a man. When you pray, you're praying to the sovereign creator of the universe who can take any impossibility and make it possible. And I just want to say this this morning before we go on the next thing is that if we're going to unleash the power of God in our lives, we've got to make preparation when we pray. We've got to pray with the spirit of expectation. We've got to pray on God's terms. God, your will, not my will be done. And we've got to come to the place where we're reminded that we serve an incredibly big God. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen. amen. 
I hope you do, because he is. Now, at least the second thing I want you to notice, look at me in verse 36. The story goes on. And at that time, in other words, after all this was done, of the offering of oblation. Oblation just means the evening offering. At that time of the evening offering, Elijah the prophet came near, and he said, here's his prayer, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, which would be Jacob too, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have, no, I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. You think he was expecting God to step in? Come on, church, you think he was expecting God to step in? Yes, he said, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. So Elijah gives us the preparation for prayer, but then he shows us the purpose in prayer. What was the purpose we just read? Let's go back. What was the purpose? Look at me again what he said. He said this. He said, he said God of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. See, the chief purpose in Elijah's prayer was that God would get the glory. The chief purpose of Elijah's prayer is that incredible things would happen and that people would look and go, isn't the Lord amazing? His chief purpose in his prayer is that others may know that Yahweh is the one true God. Just a quick question. When we pray, is that the chief purpose in our prayer? Or is it, I want my way? Or I want what helps me out the most? Should the chief purpose of our prayer be whatever you ask for? Maybe it's the promotion. Maybe it's a friendship to, to restore. Maybe it's a relationship to be renewed. Whatever is, is the chief purpose in our prayer is that God would receive the glory. It should be. It should be. See, if a relationship is broken and it's restored, who should get the glory for that? It wasn't because you were awesome, I'll tell you that. It wasn't because they were awesome. It's because God stepped in and walked in both of their hearts, and God, God reserved the glory. If you get that promotion at work, or if you, if you get that, 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 that work person that's irritating and annoying you, and you're able to work things out and deal with conflict in a godly way, who gets the glory in that? Well, sure not you, because if we leaned on our own wisdom in our own way, we'd have throat punched them, right? So that's not going to work out. But we leaned on God, and God intervened, and God interjected, and God deserves the glory. I mean, my point is, everything you pray about, from what seems to be insignificant to the most significant, we ought to pray with this primary purpose. God, I want you to receive the glory. Why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it, isn't he? So his primary purpose is that God receive the glory, but he gives another purpose here. He says, notice there, he says, I am your servant. God, part of the purpose in my prayer is just you to receive the glory, but also to declare my devotion to you. When I pray, God, I want you to get all the glory. But people who see me, because listen, at this point, how many prophets of God was there at this place? One. One. Wouldn't it have been real easy when God does what God is about to do, we'll get to it in a moment, for Elijah to go, look at me. That was pretty awesome, wasn't it? I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I did some things that nobody, I mean, they're over there cutting themselves, and there's 450 of them, and they couldn't, I mean, look, I mean, wouldn't it have been real easy for him to want his own glory? But he didn't. 
He said, God, I want you to show up and I want you to show out so you get the glory. And God, as I pray this, I want everybody around that sees me as your tool and your vessel to know that I'm your servant. In other words, my life is about living obedience to you. My life is about living out your will. God, I belong to you. I'm devoted to you. So the purpose in this prayer was, God, I want you to get the glory, but I want people to know that I serve you. The one true God. Listen, God, even if you answer this in a way that I wasn't expecting, I'm still devoted to you. Can you, can you say that this morning? That even if God doesn't handle your life and your situations and your circumstances the way you want them handled, that you're still 100% devoted to him? Elijah could. But there's another purpose we see here, and I love this. He says in verse 37 that you may turn their hearts back. His primary purpose, God gets the glory. A secondary purpose that people know I serve you. But another primary purpose, the people's hearts will be changed. He doesn't pray for God to vindicate himself. He doesn't pray for God to get revenge. He doesn't pray that God would curse Israel for their wishy-washiness and following. He prays that hearts would be changed. What if we prayed like that? What if we went to our Heavenly Father with whatever was going on in our life and said, Lord, I'm praying this, but God, here's, here's the right, I have a right motivation in my heart. Here's my purpose. I want you to get the glory, obviously. I want people to know as you work through me that I belong to you and I serve you. But God, I truly want people's lives and hearts to be changed. See, Elijah didn't want to get his, he didn't want to build up his own resume here. Elijah truly he truly wanted to see God to show up in a powerful way and people see this miracle going, I want that God. I want that God. I want the God that Elijah worships. So we see the purpose of prayer. And there's one more thing I want you to see. It's found in verse 38 and 40. And if you've been in church a long time, you already know where we're going to be and what we're going to say, but I want you to read it in light of what we've said because Elijah has given preparation for prayer. Now he's given us the purpose behind our prayer. And then look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, what do they do? I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. That, just, I, that did not happen, right? What happens? And they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let no one escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them right there. Man, I love this story. Not because he slaughtered everybody. I love it because, that's kind of cool too, but I love it because there's this moment that Elijah makes this incredible preparation going, God, I expect you to show up. God, I know you're big, but God, I have a real purpose behind my prayer, and it's not selfish. I want you to get the glory, Lord. God, I want people to know that I serve you, not me. God, I want people's hearts to be changed. God, would you just show up in the prayer? Then fire fell from heaven. And wouldn't that have been a crazy moment? 
Wouldn't it be awesome to be there going, okay, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen because there's a lot of water right there. The trench is all filled up. It's kind of overflowing. The dust is all wet. There's no way you're going to throw a match and this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden God shows up and fire falls and only consumes the bull, consumes the wood, consumes the dust, but it licks up all the water that's in the trenches. Is that not a miracle? If, if, if there's ever a miracle, was that not a miracle? Sure it was. I mean, God showed up. Listen, God showed up and everything changed. God took what was impossible and he made it possible. This moment when God showed up showed a beautiful demonstration of God's power and his authority over all creation. And God showed up in a powerful way. And then what happened when he showed up? People's hearts were changed. Look what he says again. He says, and the people said this, the Lord, he is God. Not a God, but the Lord, he is God. In fact, if you didn't hear me, I'll say it again. The Lord, he is God. What did it lead to? Changed hearts that led them to worship. They worshiped the Lord. So you've got this Elijah, and he's told us about this preparation for prayer that he made. He talks about the purpose of prayer, and then as he prays, and then we see the power of God. God shows up in a powerful way. And as I read stories like this, as I read in particular this story, there's a part of me going, you know what? I often look at stories like this going, I, I wish God would show up like that today. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if I could put a bull up here and fill this room full of water and, and pray and fire would fall from heaven? And, and it all, wouldn't it be cool if we could see, if we could in real time jump back 5,000 years ago and been a, a fly on the wall or been present with the nation of Israel and seen this miracle happen? Would that increase our faith? Wouldn't it be cool to see this take place? Sure it would have. But then it dawns on me, while I marvel at this story, it dawns on me what we sang a while ago, is he not the same God today? Come on, church, is he not the same God today? Yeah. And we sang it, and you sang it, and the words came out of your mouth, but do you believe what you said, that he was a healer then, and he's a healer now, that he's a savior then, and he's a savior now? Do we really believe that with every fiber of our being, that he is the same God today that he was back then? And if he is... Do you think God still wants to do the miraculous things in and through us so that he can draw people to himself? The answer is what? Yes. yes. So with that being said, I have two challenges for us this morning. Number one, let's start praying like Elijah. Let's start praying like Elijah. Let's start praying with a spirit of expectation. Not that we're going to get our way, but expectation that God's going to show up. Let's start praying like Elijah that with the spirit of expectation. Let's start praying like Elijah with, a, with, a, an element, with some faith in our prayers that God is going to intervene on our behalf. And let's pray with purpose. That my purpose in my prayer is that God would get the glory and that people's lives would be changed. So first challenge, let's start praying like Elijah. If you're willing to do that, say amen this morning. Let's pray like Elijah. Second of all, second challenge. Let's start praying for the impossible things that we see in the world. Things that in our life that we look at and go, that's impossible. Let's start praying about those things. Let me give you a couple examples. First of all, let's pray about the impossible things in your life personally. Maybe you've got some things going on in your life and you're, maybe, maybe your heart is filled with grief and the thought of you giving up grief and you getting over grief and you moving through grief and you restoring that to that excitement for the Lord. You look at that and go, God, that's just impossible. I can't ever see myself getting there. Pray about it. 
Because I, I don't know about you, but I serve the God that does the impossible. Maybe you've got a marriage or a friendship that is broken and fractured. And when you look at it, you go, it is impossible for reconciliation to happen. It's impossible for restoration to happen. Pray about it. You know why? Because I serve a God that can do the impossible. Maybe you look at your finances like, there's no way I'm going to get out of this debt. There's no way I'm going to get out from underneath this. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this. Pray about it. Why? Because I know a God that can do the impossible. And I want to challenge you this morning. Yes, we're going to pray like Elijah, but this morning I want you to look at your life and go, personally, what are some things that may be in my life or around me that seem impossible that I'm going to have the courage to take to the Lord? Why? Because our God can do the what? Our God can do the what? The impossible. Second thing I want you to pray about is not just things personally. I want you to pray for us as a church corporately. I want you to pray for us as a church. I love this church family. Do you love this church family? Yes. Man, I hope so. That was a better response than I got. That was great. So I love this church family. And I want you to pray for us. And listen, let me tell you three things I want you to pray for that could be viewed as impossible. One thing is on December 15th, we're helping host something called Court Kings. And if, you know, we'll explain that a little bit later, but it's basically, if you're, if you're over 40, you probably remember the Harlem Globetrotters. It's that kind of group that's coming to East River, and they're, they're, they're all Christians and ministry-based, and they're, at the end of the first quarter, going to share a, a kind of a character-based message, and they're going to end it with this sense of, if you want to know more about what can give your life value and purpose, click this QR code, which means they open themselves up to hear the gospel. Guess who gets the QR code? We do. We do. So I want you to pray for 500 people. Now, this place only seats 2,000. I want you to pray for 500 people to hear the message that's offered that night and click that QR code so that we might have the chance to share the gospel with those people. Well, Doug, that's, that, you're, they're talking 25% of those that show up. Well, listen, you know why it's even more impossible? We don't have 500 people signed up yet. There's not even 500 people who bought a ticket. Is that right, Nick? We don't even have 500 tickets bought. But I want us to pray humongous, gargantuan prayer that 500 people would click that QR code and that we might have a chance to share the gospel with those people. How incredible would that be if we can see those people come to faith in Jesus? Yeah, that's one thing I want you to pray for. This seems impossible. Second thing I want you to pray for, it seems impossible, is I want you to pray for us as a church that we could gain favor with our county. Listen, if you've dealt with the county of Orange County at all, it just, you kind of want to chagrin at this point. You're like, yeah, well, good luck with that one. Right? Pray about it. Well, listen, here's, here's what we're finding out about Orange County. You ready? Not, but here's one thing we found out. They actually love our property as much as we love our property. And so they're trying to figure out how much water retention, where we're going to put water retention. And there's a lot of personalities involved. I mean, a lot of personalities involved. Would you pray that God would give us favor with them? Would you pray that God would soften the hearts of the engineers, the commissioner, the people involved? I mean, there's like 47,000 entities that are involved in this one thing. Would you pray that God would give us favor with the county? Well, Doug, I don't, I don't know. It's impossible. But we serve the God that does what? The impossible. Let me give you a third thing I want you to ask you to pray for. This may be the biggest of all of the three. You ready? I want you to pray for this. That God will lay on our heart that by the end of 2022 that we could pay off our land. I think that would be incredible. Now, let me give you a little, little context to that. In 2021, because of the faithfulness of this church to give to the land in the building, the faithfulness of this church to first give to the tithes and offerings, allowed us to close on a property that cost us $600,000. We put down 
$370,000 on that note. And for a church our size, listen, there are no statistics out there like that. I'm like, when I look up statistics like Lifeway and different places, they're like, nobody does that. Nobody does that. I can tell you, Cross Life East does that. Why? Because we serve a God that does the what? The impossible. That means if you're good math, we have $230,000 notes. But once again, in 2022, this church, as has done since I've been here, is faithful and given extravagantly to the Lord. We've had people give extravagantly just to the land and building. We've had people give extravagantly of their tithes and their offerings. And we believe at the end of this year, because of what's given to the land and the excess of what goes over our budget, that we can pay off our land. If we had $50,000 more, we could pay it off. At the end of the year, we could close in January, and we could have it paid off in December. That is an impossible feat. But can our God do that? Come on, can our God do that? So that is a challenge from this pastor and our next level team that we would pray about. Pray about your role. I mean, pray about, there may be somebody out there that's your neighbor that's just got a bag full of cash and doesn't know what to do with it. And you can say, God, open up opportunities for me to share with them. Why is this important? Because I think God wants us to be good stewards. Do you think that? Of our money and what God, of what God has given us to, to take care of and to steward. And so this last challenge is this, I pray. And I ask you to join me in praying that by the end of this year, that maybe we can enter 2023 debt-free. Man, that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? That'd be incredible. Can I tell you the horror stories I've heard of churches that are in debt? How awesome would it be for us to be debt-free? It's an impossible task, but guess what? We serve a God who does the what? The impossible. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're not just going to talk about the stuff. We're going to do it. So right now, stay seated. I'm going to ask you right now, every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. And I want to walk you through a moment of prayer, a season of prayer. Then when I'm done, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song that I hope is the anthem of our heart. Not just words out of our mouth, but we really believe when we start singing that, God, we've seen you move mountains and we think you can still do that. We know that you can do it again, God. So here's what I want you to pray for. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you first just look at your life personally? And what is that impossible thing? Is it a relationship? Is it your marriage? Finances? Grief? Depression? Take a few seconds and would you just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you. Because I want you to intervene. I give it to you because when you do intervene, I want to give you the glory. Take a moment and pray about that. Now I want to challenge you to pray for some things corporately. First, would you just take a moment and say, Lord, would you bring an incredible amount of people to this event on December 15th for Court Kings? God, we pray that 500 people will click that QR code. God, we want your will to be done. And God, we want more people to hear the gospel. Would you bring the people? You tell us if Jesus is lifted up, you will draw them in. We're asking you to draw some men and some women some children. God, would you do that and give us the capability to share the gospel with 500 people through this event? Pray for that right now.
Then take a moment. Would you just pray that God would give us favor with the county, the engineers, commissioners, the road acquisition and land acquisition people, that God would just work in their hearts and show us favor so that he can get the glory. Last of all, would you ask the Lord to purpose on our hearts how we might be part of this third appearing to be impossible task of ending this year debt-free, only closing the property in January, and now we're debt-free in the end of December. And God, we don't do it, so we're going to brag about ourselves. God, we want to challenge us to pray about those things because we want to give him the glory. Because it's through his work in our lives and faithfulness that we see this happen. So would you just pray that God would open up our hearts and lives and that we might pray about how we can be a part. We only need $50,000 to be debt free. And we're going to push that over the next four weeks. And how could we be a part of that? Just pray about that right now. Let's all stand together as I lead us in prayer. Let's all stand. Father, I love you. I thank you for the story of Elijah. I thank you in that story. We see power unleashed. I thank you for the story, Lord. I pray as we leave this place this morning that we too would be reminded that as we pray and we seek your will and we seek your face, that we need to make adequate preparation, God, that we don't need to pray hoping and wishing, but we need to pray expecting you to show up, that, God, that we need to have the right motivation and purpose behind our prayers. It's not to get our way or to get ourselves glory, but to bring glory to your name and that lives might be changed. So, God, I pray for some of us believers today that we would start praying like Elijah expectant, in faith, and with purpose, and that we would just back up and watch you show up and show out. God, we would love that. And God, if we believe this morning that you are the same God, that we would look at the impossibilities that are in our lives, and we only touched on a few, impossibilities that surround us, and that we might say, Lord, would you make what has appeared to be impossible in our eyes possible? So God, that circumstance in our lives personally that we're struggling with, may we offer that to you. May you take an impossible situation and may you make it possible. God, may you take this event coming up December 15th, and it's more than an event. It's an opportunity for us to share the only message that's going to change someone's life and eternity. God, would you, we, we pray for 500 people to click that QR code. 500 people right now that if they died this moment, are going to spend eternity apart from Christ in hell. We pray for that, Lord. 
God, we pray for favor from the county. God, we, we want the county to look at us and go, man, there's something different about these people. We've pushed, we've pulled, we've, we've, we've done everything we can to disenfranchise them, to discourage them, to, to ask for more than we need. But God, there's something so different. God, we be able to say, yes, we're different. It's not because of us, it's because of you. So God, give us favor with the county. And then God, if it's your will, I pray that we are able to end this year paying off our property. God, when I think about this church, this body of believers, I am blown away with their faithfulness to give of their tithes and offerings, to give above their tithes and offerings to the land. God, I mean, I, I've been blown away. Their, their faith grows my faith. I thank you for them, Lord. And I pray as we look at this year, we realize that while it seems impossible in four weeks, we know with you all things are possible. In fact, Lord, may the anthem of our week this week be what Jesus said when he said, with man, all things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God, we love you. Would you work today? Would you move in our hearts? For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Now this morning, do you believe what we're talking about this morning? Do you really believe that God can take the impossible and make it possible? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God who did all that he's done throughout the pages of your Bible and my Bible, do you think he is the same God and wants to do those same things in and through us? If you really believe it, more than just acknowledging it, let's declare it from the very depths of our heart this morning. As we sing a song that's going to remind us, God, we've seen you do it, and we want you to do it again. God, I've seen you show up and show out. God, would you do it again? Would you do it in my marriage, God? Would you do it in my friendships? Would you do it in my finances? Would you do it in my church, God? I've seen you show up before. Would you do it again, Lord? More than just say we believe it, let's declare it with our mouths as the band leads us in worship.